wasn't I wasn't ready for that to stop. That was quick. <laughs> That's how worship felt this morning. I was like, what in the world? It's 10.55 already? Wow. Well, good morning. My name is Kyle, and uh, God just really loves this church. I said it last week, but I'll say it again. Brought to tears again multiple times this week, again in worship, just thinking about each one of you, like how loved you are by God. Like each one of you is incredibly loved by God, and I just had that question in my heart in worship just opposed to you, is do you realize, do you know just how loved you are by God? That simple love, but the profound love, the deep love that you can't even start to imagine. I feel like most of us are like, have just a, a little bit of our fingerprint of our toe in the experience of the love of God. It is so rich, it's so deep, and I just want to pray before I start, before I share anything, for an experiential knowledge of the love of God. Father, I thank you for your prom- promise in Romans 5.5, 5, that through the Holy Spirit, you pour out your love into our hearts. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour out the love of Jesus in every heart in this room. Lord, they would physically feel waves and waves of your love right now. That would silence any fear. It would silence any accusation. It would silence any wrong thinking about you, Jesus. And they would begin to see you clearly. God, I even pray for the gift of tears, the gift of weeping under the the feeling of your love, under your goodness. Father, would you give the gift of tears to our body, (laughs) tears of joy, because they know how much they are loved by you. In your name, Lord, amen. Good morning, happy 2020, and welcome to week two of the Local Missions Celebratory Report. My name is Kyle, like I said, and my wife and I are the youth and young adult pastors here at River in the Hills Church, as well as the prayer room directors at the Lake Travis Prayer Room. Like I mentioned last week, A couple years ago, our church elders and spiritual fathers, which we saw praying for Emily here today, they gave me the nickname of the cross-pollinator. I love nicknames. (laughs) Like that honeybee there on the screen, they saw me taking some of the good pollen that I picked up in the word of God and prayer and worship and the wise counsel here from their leadership and going out with that good pollen to spread it around our beautiful city with different groups of people as God himself would open up specific doors. So you can think of me with that term, uh, cross-pollinator, as more formally like a local missionary to our region and our city, sent from this, this wonderful family. And this is what it is. River in the Hills is a family. I feel it more than ever today. And family is key. It's important. It, it's so, as we see the day approaching, the day of that rain coming, the day when Jesus is going to return, we have to be together in family. Vitally important. I can't stress it enough. I feel it, though, this morning. So last week, we celebrated victories that God had accomplished through the local missions that were related to prayer and worship almost exclusively. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I highly encourage you to listen to it on our sermon podcast or on the website. In that message, I believe you'll find encouraging stories that will strengthen you greatly in the areas of personal prayer and worship. So raise your hand if you were encouraged last week at any point from some of those testimonies about prayer. Did anyone pray a little bit more this week because they just they heard those stories? They're like, I can 
Amen. I can do it and it really matters. And just a reminder from last week as well, relating to the response that I invite us all into, I encourage y'all to go on a specific prayer journey with God in 2020 and really specifically ask him for a specific prayer mission field that he would have for you. Whether that be faithfully praying for a specific family, a neighborhood, a workplace, a public school, or a city or a larger geographical region, whatever it may be, I'm confident that God has specific intercessory assignments and really adventures. They're fun. This isn't boring. This is super fun. For us, each one of us, for every single believer, every single person who loves Jesus in this room, he's got specific prayer assignments for us. Just simply ask God, like you'd ask a friend, to show you what are these prayer assignments for this next year. And then whatever he shows you, make a commitment and ask for courage from God to faithfully and consistently pray for that specific prayer mission field. Whether it be daily or weekly or every three days, whatever, let God show you and lead you in how much and how often he would have you to pray for that area. And schedule it too. That's a real encouragement I found. You're much more likely to actually pray for something if you make it part of your weekly schedule or your daily routine. Actually get it written down or typed into your phone. You're much more likely to actually do it. So ask him too for specific prayer strategies with whatever he shows you. Whether it looks like joining in uh, with us here at the Lake Travis Prayer with one of our prayer assignments or going on prayer walks around your business or gathering a group, praying in the spirit, praying specific scriptures individually, whatever it may be, he will show you. He's really creative. He loves prayer, and he's going to answer you when you ask. Well, today in part two, we're going to look at a different angle of this local missions report, a different side of the same coin that God has led Brooke and I in the last year. So we're going to look at some of the, the measurable fruit and the tangible victories that have come out of opportunities where I've been asked to speak to different groups of people with most of these speaking venues being outside of local church contexts, which is really encouraging for me. Hence the phrase local missions. It's, it's people, a lot of people maybe don't hear a message weekly. They're not used to hearing about the Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus. <laughs> so the most of them have been out there in really unique environments. We're going to explore some of those today. But to, together, we're going to celebrate more than anything. This is a party, guys. We're going to party together, hearing and rejoicing in these powerful stories where God has opened up the hearts of many people as I have shared evangelistic messages from the Bible and my own story. Evangelistic just means it's good news, like it's good for people to hear these stories and walk them out and see the God of the Bible and see the God of today that makes the Bible true in our experience today. That's what all of it was. And like I said last week, be encouraged that all of these stories are not just my stories or Brooke's stories. These are your stories. These victories are your victories as you're part of River in the Hills Church. These testimonies are your testimonies as you are a vitally connected member of this church. You're part of this journey. You're part of this winner circle. Envision yourself with each one of these circles like the, the race car winner circle where everyone's celebrating. They're popping off uh, sparkling grape juice, not champagne. <laughs> no, you can have champagne. That's okay. Uh, you're in the winner's circle here with each one of these things. <laughs> and actually, it's not just River in the Hills. Each one of these victories is for the entire body of Christ and family of God in this region. When one church wins, we win. When one believer comes to faith in Jesus, we win. We are one family under one name with one body. We're one building forever. So envision that. You're jam these stories are jam-packed with so many more believers than maybe you'll never meet, but you'll meet them in heaven, Okay. If you want a verse back up for that, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, I, I shared it last week, you can look it up. 
Well, one of us rejoices or one of us is honored. We're all honored. We all rejoice. Okay. So your seed, specifically a financial seed, a prayer seed, or an encouragement seed that's faithful as you're part of this church, your investment of prayer, encouragement, and financial support is bearing incredible fruit. God is really endorsing our collective love for him. I think that more than anything, our love for him, he's endorsing. He's putting his stamp of approval on. This church loves Jesus. We've given so much to him, but we know that's nothing compared to what he's he's worth, but he's endorsing our love for him. Amen. So let's examine and celebrate some of this fruit right now. So the first broad area that we're going to look at is in the public schools, specifically through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, or the FCA programs within the public schools in the Lake Travis region and even beyond to the University of Texas campus. And just know, there is a bigger storyline behind this public school fruit that I'm going to mention. Brooke and I are walking. We don't really know what we're doing, but we're walking in accordance with a dead-on, wildly confirmed prophetic word that was given individually over Brooke and I's life back in March of 2018. The word, in essence, was this, that prayer was going to come back to the public schools through you. Prayer would come back to the public schools through you. Starting right here, specifically at Lake Travis High School. The vision from this prophetic lady, (laughs) who's amazing, her name's Susan. If you ever listen to Susan, bless you, keep going. You're amazing. She goes to Life Austin Church. Her and her husband are elders there, so they're legit. (laughs) The vision was that a widespread, massive movement of student-led prayer on school grounds would happen. And the massive movement of the student-led prayer would not only encourage other students, but encourage teachers, coaches, and administrators so much that they would jump on board and eventually both engage in prayer themselves on school campus and formally welcome back prayer as part of the daily agenda. That's a big word. (laughs) This would fly directly and confront the false and really demonically twisted view of what the phrase separation of church and state actually meant when Thomas Jefferson wrote it in a letter. It's been twisted 180 degrees to mean the wrong thing. We can talk about that later if you want to have coffee or lunch because it's a deep one. But it's it's clear. It's plain from the context, the original intent. 1 Timothy 1.18 Love this verse. This charge I commit to you, Paul's writing to his disciple, Timothy. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by those words, by those prophecies, you may wage the good warfare. Love that verse. All the words spoken over you, we use them like uh, weapons, like swords, against any time we have doubt or unbelief. It gives us courage to actually follow out and do what we already know is the right thing to do, which is, if you're on a school campus, love the person in front of them, in front of you, and pray for them, and share Jesus with them. We know that's the right thing to do, but this word has given me courage to actually live that out. Let me tell you, this specific prophecy, it has been like a mighty, mighty weapon, a sword in the spirit, in our hands and in our hearts. We have warred with it, like this verse tells us to do. This large word that prayer is actually coming back to the public schools starting at Lake Travis has given us, like I said, such great courage that when we step foot onto those public school grounds, we just know that we have all of heaven backing us. (laughs) They're outnumbered. Whatever spiritual forces of darkness, they're outnumbered. (laughs) 
It's the most exciting place to be, guys. Walking in the word that God has over your life. Smack dab in the middle of God's will. It is the most thrilling, exciting way to live. So let me pause and ask you. You might not have a big word like that. But what is your public school? For Charles Finney, it was his shoemaker shop. What's your shoemaker shop? What's your public school? What's your arena where you have favor? Might be your workplace. Might be your neighborhood. What is a place where you feel all of heaven backing you? If you don't know, that's okay. I didn't know, and I still really, I mean, I know, but you walk on there sometimes, you're not full of faith sometimes, but you know it's deep down, you know. That's okay if you don't know. Not all of us, like I said, might have a big word. But ask the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit throughout this next week. Ask him where your arena of favor is. I 100% believe we all have a white field, so to speak, a place where we have been perfectly tailored and crafted and gifted and made to usher in the kingdom of heaven and bring lost people into a life-giving relationship with Christ. We all have a white field. Ask the Holy Spirit. Even if it's not that big, that's okay. We're all made different. Go for it. It's real. Whatever he speaks to you. And let me give you a little sneak, sneak preview. It's probably going to line up with your prayer assignment that God shows you. It's most likely going to line up with your prayer assignment. doesn't have to, but it would make a lot of sense if it did. If your white field of evangelism lined up with your prayer assignment, God is wise. So let's look at the fruit in 2019 from one of these public schools now. So it's Hudson Bend Middle School, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes program there. So on March 7th at 8 a.m., I gave a simple message to around 60 students on the Beatitudes from Matthew 5. I just went verse by verse. But God crashed into that meeting. Same old verses, same truths, but God met it with supernatural power. God crashed into that room and he honored the written words of Jesus and made them so alive to the hearers, those sixth, seventh, eighth graders. The presence of God presence of God was tangibly and, and it was felt in the room. It was palpable. Every hearer was locked in and attentive. It was the biggest eyes that I've ever seen from young people as I shared these eternal kingdom truths from Jesus. These young people were so hungry for the truths like, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It really came alive to him. You could see it. So I called for a response for those 60 students to stand up and come sign and write their names down if they wanted to make a commitment to read the Beatitudes once a week and pray those kingdom realities into their life. So 100% of the 60 students stood up, wrote their name down, came to the front, and made a commitment that they're gonna read the Beatitudes. They're gonna be, be poor in spirit so they can have the kingdom of heaven with them right there. I mean, these... These Beatitudes, this, this way of life from the Sermon on the Mount is so counter to everything that they've been taught growing up. It really is than the culture, but it made sense to them. It was truth to them. It was attractive to them. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is in the room, when you have kids signing up to, be, to mourn so that they will be comforted, <laughs> to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that they would be filled. What, what kid would want to do that unless the Holy Spirit's drawn him? I want to be hungry and thirsty to always do the right thing so that God can fill me. Like, that's, that's God right there. <laughs> 
Oh, we love you, Jesus. Okay, May 22nd. Few months later, I honored those. I got a chance to come back at the end of their semester and honor those who stuck with the commitment to read those Beatitudes and gave a short message on the importance of faithfulness and commitment keeping. Praise God. December 5th, I'm going to be rolling through these quick, by the way, because there's a lot of them. December 5th, I shared a message to this same group following year, though. So I guess it's one year removed. The eighth graders already moved on. So a new, new, a batch of sixth graders and then seventh graders and eighth graders. Um, okay, so I shared a message on 1 Corinthians 13. This is a chapter about love, how love is the only thing that matters in the end. The only thing that we'll take with us into heaven is how we've loved God and loved other people. Did we learn to love? I shared a prophetic journey of, a, of another man that God showed him that. Love is the currency of heaven, guys. It's the only thing worthy of investing. And now it's gonna look different in every situation. But like I said, it's the only thing we'll take with us into eternity. So again, there was a 100% response from the 60 or so kids in the room as they made a commitment, real similar to the one I gave in March, to once a week read 1 Corinthians 13 until the end of the semester. To, To pray those realities, to pray the, I think it's 16 facets of love into their heart. I also had a word of knowledge as I was praying the day before for that meeting. I heard the, the date, October 13th. And I, I stepped out and gave it actually as a analogy that if I didn't give this word that I'm about to give in love, it wouldn't count. Even if it was dead on and right. But if I didn't have a, a heart of love for the hearer, it wouldn't count. Because that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says, if you speak in the tongues of men and angels, if you give words of knowledge, if you know all mysteries, but you, have lo- you, you do not have love, you're a, gang, uh, a gonging a symbol, a, a gang, like a gonging, whatever, I can't say the word. But it's just a, a bad noise if there's not love behind it. <laughs> and so <laughs> I gave the word. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I prayed before him that I would give this word with love. And even if it doesn't hit, I'm trying to love you as the hearer in the room. So I gave the word October 13th that it hurt in my heart. And it happened to be the day that one of the most influential student athletes in the room had had the worst day of his life earlier that year, October 13. It was, it was like a blacklist day in his history. He had found himself in a lot of trouble, but from that day on, he had repented and turned his life around. <laughs> it was a turning point in his life, and the fact that it was brought up divinely and sovereignly proved to this young influencer in that school that the Lord saw that day. But he lovingly saw him through that day and forgave him completely for whatever happened on that day. He covered and removed the record of wrongs that this young man had shame over, and he was still carrying that day. The blood of Jesus is powerful to remove our worst days. (laughs) And he was healed, I believe, in a big way. All from a little word about a date on a calendar, but given in love, it can mean so much to someone. How many of us know that God breaks in to our darkest days and turns them around and makes them days of victory and celebration? Praise God. <laughs> Let's give, give the Lord a, a praise for that one. This guy's an amazing running back. He's probably the second most influential person in that school. Like, people look up to him, they follow him. So God's so wise. He cares about from the least to the greatest, but he'll mark a someone who's got great influence to to reach an entire school. 
Okay, turning now to Lake Travis High School, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. On March 8th, I gave a message to around 250 students on the ministry of Jesus in Luke 4.18. And the response was for them to raise their hands if they wanted to receive at least one aspect of what he came to do on the earth. They wanted to receive at least one aspect in their individual experience of life. So in the middle of the school day, right there on a Friday at 2.30 p.m. on government time, (laughs) about 200 out of the 250 students raised their hands and responded and prayed to receive the ministry of Jesus in their lives. For him to heal their broken hearts. For him to proclaim liberty to their hearts that were bound in any sort of captivity or bondage or addiction. They responded and asked for Jesus to give sight to any blindness in their hearts and for him to walk into the room and free them from feelings of oppression or depression. This is a victory. Give it up for Jesus. 200 out of 250 students. I love how he just walks in. He blasts into a a public school, like I said, on government time and and does what he does. (laughs) So on September 20th, I gave a message and a startling life example to about 150 students on the truth that God is outside of time, that he knows everything that will happen in the future, and therefore he is worthy of trusting our unknown futures with. I, I sought to exalt the one who knows all and the only one worthy of the commitment of our entire lives and destinies into. For a response, I drew a line in the sand, so to speak, <laughs> with the half-court line of the basketball court that they were sitting on being the, the line in the sand. All 150 students, without hesitation, as I made the invitation, decided to entrust their uncertain futures into the hands of an all-knowing, all-loving, all-good God. They like raced over to the side that I invited them over to. (laughs) The other side was empty. And I just love the picture in real life. The other side was empty, representing people who might want to determine the course of their own lives for themselves, might want to lean on their own understanding and not in all their ways acknowledge him. Talk about a backcourt violation for the enemy. Got any sports fans, basketball fans? That was a backcourt violation for the enemy. (laughs) So 100% response from the 150. Again, right there in the middle of school day. Isn't this fun? It's so good. Y'all didn't know this stuff happened. So much cool stuff happens. With each one of you, I know too. (laughs) You can understand maybe in Acts 2 why they met daily. They just, they had to share testimony. Because they were surrendered. They were all out. I mean, I, I might have said it last week, but Brooke and I, when we come home from our days, even if I'm just here, this isn't bragging, this is just, this is the Lord. We spend like at least the first 30 minutes a lot of time sharing cool God stories. Before we even ask like, hey, how are you doing? Which we probably should ask how they're doing. Before, but like we're so excited, it's like flowing. But you understand why they met daily in Acts 2. Bring it back, Lord. We might, we're probably going to need it. <laughs> all right. We're all going to Pastor Nate's house every day. <laughs> Kaylee, come on. <laughs> we'll cook and clean. Ooh. See you tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> November 22nd. <laughs> it was just a couple weeks ago. Lake Travis High School FCA. Right before the students' Thanksgiving break, 
I taught and shared stories with about 150 students on the value of the secret place of prayer, about specifically sitting in silence before the Lord. To like 15 year olds <laughs> was the last time they were silent for 30 seconds. <laughs> but I invited them into it. I shared like the, the glories that I've found as someone who used to be in their shoes from just putting aside 10 minutes and just waiting on the Lord. There's a promise in Isaiah 40 that when we wait on the Lord, our strength will be renewed. We'll be exchanged for God's very own strength as we wait on the Lord. We'll mount up with wings like eagles. We'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint. What a promise if we wait on the Lord. So I invited them into that. Again, 100% of the students raised their hands to make a commitment over the Thanksgiving break to set aside 10 minutes and wait on the Lord and put God to the test and see if it actually filled them with strength. They not like fly around the room when they have turkey, but like in their hearts that they would soar, they would run and not grow weary, that they would have endurance. So invite them into that. That, was, that wasn't necessarily me giving them a fish. That was me teaching them how to fish, teaching them how to rely on the Holy Spirit, teaching them how to cultivate that secret place lifestyle. I got some really encouraging messages on Instagram actually from students who tried it out and said, hey, I did it and it was cool. I mean, that, that's about as deep as you get, but that's like huge. <laughs> you'll take whatever <laughs> and this is cool too I love this this last little facet on fellowship of Christian athletes in the high school um, I've had the opportunity to actually help fill the speaking schedule for the the high school to, to in a sense give away the favor and the open doors the word that's been spoken over it give it over to, to five different up and coming leaders and speakers this blessed my heart. Whenever I, I knew that they were going, I tried to make it a point to go or at least just pray intensely for them. Because again, their victory is my victory. Their success is my success. And that's true, just a pastoral moment here. Whatever area of life you're in, whatever business, whatever sphere, always be open and willing and looking for ways to be open-handed, for ways to give away your favor to give away your platform, to be a generous soul, to be filled with light. <laughs> it's gonna fill you with light when you give away any favor you've been given. And do it gladly. Do it with a smile. Say, I, I want like by next year you to have my position because I know like God will take care of me. Like <laughs> you want your job to be replaced. That's how well you disciple and train up and give away your favor. This proves to God that you're ready for more and he's, your, he's the one you look to, not any platform, any title the Lake Travis High School varsity football team. So it's not under the umbrella of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's really just the, under the umbrella of the football team and Jesus. Like, they, they love the Lord, this football team, the leadership on it, which is super provoking. And they've been doing it for many years. So on September 13th, it was homecoming night for the football team. And so I was asked to share a message on game day morning in their, in their chapel before they go off to school. And I shared a, a story from Luke 15 on the prodigal son and the great homecoming that he had with the father running to him and embracing him, putting a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, and just falling on his neck, probably weeping and crying and say, this son of mine that was lost is now home. So I shared that story with all the players and coaches. It was a powerful morning, and Brooke and I both really sensed the love of the father being released in that room to those students. Again, you could see it on their faces. And although I didn't call a formal, visible response, I believe many were encouraged that day to come back to the Father's love, 
to run back into his arms, to see that his arms are always open. I don't care what you did two seconds ago or two years ago. His arms are always open. Praise God. And, and that night, Lake Travis got a huge blowout win over Bowie. So praise God. <laughs> praise God for Jesus and praise God for football and victories. There's a victory that morning and there's a victory that night. <laughs> September 29th. <laughs> oh, I love you, Lord. Okay, in a home Bible study setting, um, I encourage a group of about 15 standout sophomore athletes here at Lake Travis, Most of, or a lot of them on varsity. I'm not sure the exact number of those 15. Um, but yeah, 15 standout sophomore athletes with an hour of spirit-led God stories just to awaken their hunger for God as well as practical wisdom for how to lead lives of holiness and eternal impact for Jesus in their schools. I actually told them the word. I hadn't shared this with many groups or even many people, but I actually felt led to share with them that word. Like, hey, you can be a part of this story if you want to. Even if one of the 15 grabbed it, we know one or two or three, especially two or three when they agree in prayer, Prayer's coming back to Lake Travis High School. And we get two or three in full agreement, that's all you need. Jesus didn't say two or 3,000, he said two or three in full agreement, and he would do it. So all, again, were locked in the whole time, like big eyes, mouth, because God's just exciting, he's fun. Um, and there were many fruitful, deeper conversations after that hour, like one-on-one in the, in the home, on how to live really just an overcoming Christian life. So last thing on the football team, December 7th, uh, before the Cavaliers' fourth-round playoff game against San Antonio Jetson, I shared a message from Hebrews 12 on perseverance, and they actually weren't predicted to win that day. Um, their star quarterback was coming back from six, six weeks of injury, and they didn't really know how his, his foot was going to feel or heal, and that San Antonio Jetson team was legit. Um, yeah, I shared a message from Hebrews 12 on perseverance, and how the rewards on the other side of endurance and not quitting, the rewards on the other side of that, when we don't quit through the pain, they're always worth it. <laughs> the rewards are always worth it when we don't quit. I tied in the spiritual component of Jesus enduring on the cross for the joy set before him and invited them all into a life of persevering over sin, over shame, and over the trials of this life that are thrown at all of us. And many, I'd say 80% of the 60 players seemed really receptive. There were a few who were actually checked out that day for whatever reason. But about 80% were all locked in. And uh, they seemed receptive to this invitation and they, to persevere and to rise above the sin and shame and disappointment. So again, it was a beautiful morning and a beautiful evening as Brooke and I went down to San Antonio and they got the the underdog win against San Antonio Judson. They were down 14-3 earlier. I remember us walking into the Alamo Dome and uh, one of the players from San Antonio Judson literally hurdled one of our safeties. Like he's running with a ball and the safety comes in to tackle him and he jumps over him, the Judson guy. And we're like, it's gonna be a long day. <laughs> it's like, babe, you, you wanna go? <laughs> but they came back, they persevered and, and the tide turned. And one of the coaches who invited me in, one of them texted me and, and he, recapped all my points from that morning after they had gotten on the bus. And I was like, oh, that touched me. He was listening, and he, he tied it together with perseverance. So we believe that throughout the rest of those, those players' lives, they're going to remember in moments like these, 
I really believe that. Okay, the University of Texas Fellowship of Christian Athletes program. So on November 25th, again, there's Bevo right there, Frank Parrott, getting a little stirring in your belly. <laughs> your spirit man rising up. <laughs> Frank went to UT. He's one of the best. Just pictures of Texas that I've ever seen, just all around. It's a man from Texas. You too, Ryan. <laughs> so just before Thanksgiving, I shared my testimony, just my story, with about uh, 50 students, student athletes there uh, at the University of Texas. And there were students from many different programs and sports. So I called the students to surrender their lives completely to Jesus and to commit to live every day and even every moment in reverence and obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty serious call <laughs> to live every moment in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Well, the Spirit of the Lord was, was really present and felt in that room. Again, like all the, the hearers were very attentive and they were ready to make pretty much, I could have, well, they were ready to say yes to whatever. Um, present and felt, all responded. Every one of the 50 stood up to their feet to surrender all and to live in obedience completely to Jesus. Yeah. I just really feel that, yeah. There's a few students I was told, student athletes, that um, could actually represent our country. They're so excellent there at the University of Texas. They could actually represent our, our country in the upcoming Olympic Games. Um, so what would it look like if God released favor blessing, a platform, a spirit-filled athlete who like whenever they want or did anything that they would just talk about Jesus. Just like he did for Kanye. And he's doing for other people of influence. For like Jesus is king is in downtown New York. <laughs> like it's on the billboards. Like what would it look like for the next Olympic Games? I don't, where is the next Olympic Games? Does anyone know? Tokyo. What would it look like for the, the country of Japan and the world to hear the name of Jesus? Can we pray for that right now? I just feel that. So, Lord, <laughs> through this FCA program, through Justin Pygott right there, the leader, Lord, I know every meeting, Lord, they invite you in a serious way. They really love you. So, Lord, the seeds that I sowed and, and this church sowed into that meeting, God, I pray that they would bear much good fruit in all 50, Lord but we turn out specifically to those ones who might be going to the Olympics, God. I pray that you would encourage them today, wherever they're at, on the 40 acres, God, that you would strengthen them, that you would show them, that you would fill them with that same love that I prayed for for this room. And they would be burning and shining lamps for the whole world to see. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. I'm gonna have to edit a little bit here. Let's see. So on February 3rd, this is now miscellaneous. This is other churches. You can see on the bottom right there, uh, Brooke and I got a chance to go to a Chinese church in Austin, which was super cool. It was the first time I actually spoke with a translator, like in Chinese. It was crazy. It was so cool. <laughs> so I shared from Daniel 5 and my story, and we experienced such a deep love in our hearts for those Chinese brothers and sisters, and we both for them and from them, we felt like they treated us like so well and we just felt the family of God, even the crazy different backgrounds growing up. 
We had the same love for Jesus and the same love for each other. That right there is a miracle to me. I can hug and like, even if they don't know English, like you're just there, you're with them. It's part of the same family. So about 75% of those 150 or 200 uh, raise their hands to either give their lives to Jesus for the first time or recommit their hearts to him. Again, the Lord was endorsing his story of my life. My testimony is I did everything I, I could in my life to, to go away from God. His story is that his mercy and his grace and his love is, was enduring and he answered the prayers of my mother, my grandmother, my dad, this church family. That's, that's God's story in my life. So they responded to that. And many others were encouraged and emboldened to believe God for their own prodigals and the people in their lives who were far from God. So I'll skip a few and I'll go down to uh, the refuge. So the refuge is a 24-7 healing and restoration ranch a little outside of Bastrop, Texas. It was built a few years ago and it's a beautiful property where uh, they provide 360 degrees of holistic care for minors uh, specifically young girls from the ages of 12 to 18 who have been rescued out of years stuck in the destructive evil of human sex trafficking. Yeah, there's, there's 78,000, I believe, uh, just an astronomical number that you'd never think of in the state of Texas alone who are currently minors in the industry. Really just in the evil. It's, not an, it's just evil. It's not an industry. To so talk about deep wounds that only Jesus could heal. I felt so unequipped at whatever words I would say, that even if it was the most polished, beautiful, you, how, how in the world could I even start to even begin to heal any of those wounds? Only Jesus, which is actually a freeing thing. <laughs> it's like, I can't do anything. Holy Spirit, you have to work through my weak words, my weak prayers, my weak body. You've got to work through and heal these deep wounds. It's actually a freeing thing. And that's true for anything in life when we get down to it. We, we really can't do anything without them. <laughs> so they invite, on Sunday evenings, they invite in local pastors to give a biblically-based message of hope to these young girls. We feed them a meal as well. And we just listen to them and love on them. It's real simple. So in 2019, Brooke and I served three times on a chapel team as assistants and then we were asked in August if we would lead our own team to go out there every other month. So about six times a year. We'd already served three times. Um, but just because we had so much going at the time, we have a beautiful baby girl, we have all these other things I mentioned besides the youth and young adults and prayer and everything, and it's all good. But just because we had so much on our plate, I really had to pray and ask God that he would confirm if we were even to go out there every other month. I asked God, though, this is a little nugget for y'all. I asked God for a confirmation dream that night. The night we were asked, or the day we were asked, I said, God, if we're supposed to do it, would you give me a dream, either confirming or denying or just giving me your direction? So that night, I had a dream <laughs> where the refuge director, the chapel director of the refuge, I've met her before, in the dream, very vividly, she came up to Brooke and I with a big smile and asked us if we would lead this team, but in person. It had just been an email before that. <laughs> so we had a little meeting, and I didn't have to schedule it. <laughs> God's good. He'll, he'll redeem time. So in the, in the dream, I felt the favor of the Lord on it, and I instantly said yes, like in the dream. And so I woke up, and I was like, I guess we're supposed to say yes. <laughs> so that has emboldened us since then. As we go out there, even though it's every other month and we lead a team out there to love on those girls, that again, we have heaven backing us. 
If you would, you can't make your dreams up. That's only, only God can do that or the devil can hijack your dreams too. But like, yes, when you're going to share the hope of Jesus, that's not the devil telling you to do that. <laughs> so each time we go, they seem, there's not like this visible like deliverance or like, you know, they're on their face worshiping. Although there are some girls who have beautiful voices and they worship the Lord. They write their own worship songs. They break stuff off. Yeah, so there is some of that. There is visible stuff, but each time we go, they seem to be more and more bold and free to kind of wrestle with God and wrestle with the big questions. I mean, you think we have questions about our experience. Imagine how much they have. They have at times, I mean, I'm not even gonna mention this, the numbers that I heard, but they have big wrestles, but they're encouraged to ask them. And you can see smiles on their faces when facets of Jesus are talked about. So again, only he can rescue truly these girls, but we're seeing progress. All right, it's, it's high noon here, so I'm gonna go ahead and invite up Rachel. I have a few more. Are y'all doing okay? Do y'all have anything like at right now? Okay, I go to like 1210, 1215. Okay. Just, I know we're family, but I just wanna, you can leave too if you need to go. <laughs> okay, true, true. Glenn is here through his wife, my mom, one flesh. So if he texts, he's like, tell Carlos. Just tell me. <laughs> so prison ministry. So Derek Akers and I, I thought he might be here today, but Derek Akers and I had the opportunity to go and minister to young people in a juvenile detention facility in downtown Austin in February, February 16th. Um, counting the whole collective team's decisions that day, from this prison ministry called Bill Glass Prison Ministry. He used to play for the Cleveland Browns. Counting all the commitments, there were 435 total commitments to Christ just in that day alone in Austin. Isn't that crazy? He really came to set the captives free from the inside out. Even if they're still in prison, they are free. 134, time, 134 first-time decisions for Christ. Uh, it was a big team effort, but big, big victory. Just recently, December 18 and 19, uh, in two separate meetings, I was asked to share at a large multi-church men's Bible study. I was able to encourage about 120 men with my testimony and then practical tips on how to live a daily life in obedience to the Holy Spirit. So each man, these are like pillars in their communities too. These are businessmen. These are, these are well-to-do people who love Jesus. Um, each man had a chance to respond with certain ways that they could learn and lean on from the Holy Spirit each and every day. So I heard nothing but positive responses from these men. And I trust, this is my prayer and my hope, is that all of their families would be affected. That that good kingdom leaven that was sowed into them would spread to their families, to their wife, to their kids. Because when the men believe in Jesus and follow and listen to the Holy Spirit, everything else happens. It's a, it really is about the men. Of course it's about the women, but y'all are already there. Most of y'all are already there. <laughs> we got the stuff, we got the issues usually. <laughs> but that's my vision I really pray for those men those 120 in Lake Travis and then a river place uh, that they would reap the benefits their families would reap the benefits as they live lives of constant prayer and devotion to the Holy Spirit's leadership so here's the secret to all this stuff yes I put in the work and y'all actually gave me the ability to put in the work through your financial blessing through your support I was actually able to put in the work to prepare these things with excellence. So thank you. Thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. 
That's why these victories are your victories, because you actually freed Brooke and I up to do this. So I put in the work to organize and prepare, of course, but then I just showed up with courage that God had given me. I showed up to each group, and what gave me courage is because I, I prayed to God. I said each time, God, give me a pure heart of love for every person I'm talking to. That's the only way this stuff's gonna count, only way it's gonna matter, only way it's gonna actually change hearts. So if you fill me with your agape, perfect love for these people. So that was the prayer. <laughs> and that gave me courage. You know, love makes us strong. Love gives us courage to hug someone even when they hate us and not care what they, what they think or, or what happens after. So the love gave me courage to go in knowing heaven was back of me and that God was gonna do cool stuff. <laughs> so he's always gonna meet your heart of sincere love for other people. He will always meet it. Even if it's just one-on-one or even if it's just in prayer, he's always gonna meet that when you pray that simple prayer is, Lord, let me love that person in front of me. Pray for that pure heart. Fight for it. I have to fight for it every day because the world system, culture, my flesh, everything's warring against that. But you fight for that and God really does answer those prayers. So I wanna close with this story uh, of two weekly student-led Bible studies that were birthed out of these FCA meetings. They were organically started. Uh, they're non-GMO Bible studies, um, sustainably sourced. That was for my dad. He likes to say all those things. Free range. <laughs> so all of these one-time events that I just shared about, all of them, they're great. Of course, God uses them. They're catalytic. Uh, they build faith. They could change people's hearts and lives and destinies forever. They're like, really, they're like a shot in the arm for believers and unbelievers alike if they have ears to hear. They could be turning points. They could be lines in the sand. Um, the people, like, like my dad says all the time, on the road to hell, but from that moment on, they're on the road to heaven. So they're huge. They're, they're good. But can these, these people who I talked to all throughout this year, can they sustain lives of perseverance and endurance when the trials come, when the storms hit, when the terrible news comes, can they sustain? Can they endure? Can they keep their love burning to the end? To when Jesus comes back or, or they die? Can they have lives of, of endurance? That's a question I ask myself. Especially as the days are looking harder and harder and harder for believers. It's, it's, it's really, it's going to be that. But it's going to be better and better and better in the family of God. It really will be. While I can be very optimistic and hopeful and say, yes, that message to that seventh grader, that he heard from me last March is gonna fuel them to say yes to following Jesus wholeheartedly 20 years from now. I can believe that. And sometimes I do have that strange faith where I believe that. But I also have to be realistic and know that from my own experience <laughs> and the experience of any seasoned believer that you could talk to, this journey is not a one-time yes. It's not a big blow-up meeting. It's a daily one. The only ways that I've been able to be steady and consistent and moving forward and this daily relationship with Jesus is spending daily time with him, reading, reading God's word for myself, consistent times of worshipful prayer and buying oil right here in this prayer room throughout the week. And of course, times, like I've mentioned a few times today, times coming together, looking at Gina Nix and saying, you're faithful, you're still here, and you're better than ever. You're shining brighter than ever. Seeing that, so coming together as a local church body, all those ingredients come together to keep us enduring. So the same will be true for all these people and all these meetings that I've mentioned, young and old, 
and even you this morning. Unless there is consistent time carved out for Bible reading and prayer and worship and the consistent assembling together in person in a local church setting, it's gonna be hard. It, w- it will be to endure. So that's where the beauty of this last testimony that I'll share with y'all comes in. Back on March 7th, when I shared the Beatitudes with Hudson Bend Middle School, it didn't stop there. From that meeting, that one meeting, those 20 minutes before school started, two students approached me, they actually came up to me separately in separate times, but they asked me if they could gather 10 of their friends for a consistent weekly Bible study. A seventh and an eighth grader at the time Both were strong leaders, like probably the strongest leaders in each one of their grades. So again, God is wise with who he taps on the shoulder, who he reaches, who he he grabs. So they were reaching out and desiring that their closest friends would be exposed to this kind of Bible teaching each week. They had such love for their friends, I love that, that they wanted them to grow in the knowledge and experience of this Jesus, who we had just heard from in the Beatitudes. The power of the words of Jesus simple words they become profound when the Holy Spirit meets them so they asked if I could help them lead weekly Bible studies and I thought it would be a no brainer constant exposure to the Bible is what actually is going to change these kids to make them enduring pillars in their school and for the rest of their lives and cause them really to be effective salt and light in their schools and families so fast forward to the present Since last April, these two different groups have consistently met each week for a time of hanging out and growing through different books of the Bible together. These groups are now in eighth and ninth grade. The eighth graders meet on Friday mornings. You can think, if you're up on Friday mornings at 7.15 a.m., pray for us. We meet every Friday morning at 7.15 at Torchy's Tacos. So eighth graders getting up at the crack of dawn to go (laughs) listen to the Bible, that's an act of God right there. The group has grown from a select group of 10 of the most influential young men, which was a little wisdom piece that we decided on in the beginning. So it's grown from that select group of 10 young men last spring and has now been opened up to include other young men in the different middle schools in the area. And all of these are going to the high school next year. I think that word is like pretty legit. (laughs) Sounds legit. We just have to keep showing up, keep loving. So in the last meeting before Christmas break, we had uh, grown to close to 25 young men there from 10 there at 7.15 a.m. going over 1 John together. (laughs) 1 John's intense too. It's not like Jesus loves me this, I know. It is, but it's a lot more than that. So the ninth graders meet, uh, the other group meet on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. in a beautiful home in Flint Rock, overlooking a hill. And me, just kind of a nature guy that loves to look. I love it. I just get to like see beautiful sunrises and stuff like that. Um, But that's just a little selfish. Um, So it's at the home of the main ninth grade leader of this group. Uh, we are going through the whole Sermon on the Mount at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, line by line, verse by verse, letting the words of Jesus teach us, wash over us. And the testimonies we have received are just beautiful, and they bring me to tears. They really do. When I think that these, these kids who have everything, they truly have everything. They're like in $3 million homes, but they know there's something more. They know eternity is real and that the love of Jesus is real. And it's worth giving their lives to. That's my prayer for them. And I see it. I see little sparks. Praise God. Let's just celebrate for a second. (laughs) So in conclusion, here's a graphic. (laughs) There's a graphic of the uh, the tangible results. I just tallied up these numbers. These are conservative estimates. You never want to exaggerate with God. He can defend himself. Uh, 
So in conclusion, here's a graphic of the tangible results of our church family's endeavors. This is our endeavors, simply through my life as a local missionary sent from here. 1,800 people heard a message about Jesus. 1,220 responded in some positive way. And two weekly consistent Bible studies that's gonna root and ground these students in the love and the word of God were started. (laughs) Yeah, let's give it up one more time. So as I was meditating on this this last week and just throughout the last year, uh, I never asked for any of these doors, by the way. I never asked once to speak at any of these things. I'm so satisfied and fulfilled just reading my Bible in this prayer room in the secret place or just being with my family. I would be the happiest guy in the room if, if, if I ever need, never even went to any of these things again. I really would. If I could just remain here and be in la-la glory land <laughs> with the word of God and worship. Like, really, I would be so happy being at the feet of Jesus. But from this place of deep satisfaction that Jesus has given me his presence, from this place, God has seemed to make it clear that he didn't want the pollen, that relationship with him, that I was picking up in the word of God and in his presence just to remain in the room indefinitely. He desperately wanted these realities and the secret life that I was living before him to be transported and exported and duplicated to others young and old. And that's what discipleship is. He wanted disciples who would love just being with him and in his word. Hence all of these opportunities that arose over the last year. And these realities are true for every single one of us in this room who loves Jesus. The revelation, the encouragement, the insight, the love that we all gain from our time in the Bible and in prayer and worship all of that good pollen that each one of us cultivates weekly, daily, that we get in the secret place. Most of the time, God will give it to us so that at some point in his perfect timing, we will be able to give that good stuff away to people in the context of discipleship. Other people in this world desperately need what God is showing us together and what he's pouring us individually. In a culture where everyone is being constantly blasted, with information, opinions, and voices that are outside of biblical perspectives and narratives, in that culture, your voice is necessary. Crazy necessary. So don't underestimate your insight into God's heart and his word and your ability to give that, give that away in the context of discipleship. So take courage. Just like last week with your local prayer and worship commitment, that you might be still dialoguing on the Lord with, you have everything you need to live a life of local impact. Everyone, go ahead and stand if you would right now. You have everything you need to live a life of local impact as it relates to sharing biblical truths and your personal God stories to other people. That's all it is. Just open the Bible, read. Like, that's, it's that simple. And you can share stories. If you only have one cool God story, just share that. Share that with everyone. (laughs) Or just keep sharing it over and over again until you get more. (laughs) If you have said yes to Jesus, you've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to you primarily to enable you with courage and power and effectiveness to make disciples. Acts 1.8 says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. So it's power unto being a witness or being a disciple maker to Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. But it has to start in Jerusalem. It has to start in Lake Travis. You have to start with the people closest to you. A lot of that's your family. You have everything you need. You have the Bible and you have the Holy Spirit living within you. So who wants to make that commitment? The commitment is not like you're gonna go speak at 10 different places this year. 
It's a commitment to be strong and courageous and to live a life of local mission and see what it might look like for you just to start with one person of discipleship. You can be a local missionary in whatever sphere God has given you favor in. So ask him over this next week if you wanna make that commitment for divine strategies on how to make an even bigger impact in 2020. He will meet you guys. This is a secret, it's a simple secret. He will meet you every time you show up with a heart to serve him and a heart to, to love other people every single time. So step out, have faith. Who wants to, to make that commitment? You go ahead and raise your hand. Just a dialogue with the Lord that says, I wanna be a disciple maker. I wanna receive this power. I wanna ask you, God, for strategy. I wanna ask you for who uh, you want me to, to start with. So I wanna pray for y'all. Thank y'all, by the way. That's huge. And God sees those hands. And he's gonna empower you. You're so not in this alone. You have all this church family, you have all the heaven back in you, you have the Bible, you have the Holy Spirit. It's, it's so doable. So I wanna invite the prayer teams to go ahead and come up to the front. If you were raised your hand you're on the prayer team, that's okay, you're still coming to the front. <laughs> um, if you have any need at all outside this message, we know with, with a, a group, we have all different stories. We've come in here carrying all sorts of things. Anything you need, you can come up to these in prayer. But I'm gonna pray for us all right now to specifically receive grace from the Lord. Go ahead and open up your hands in a, in a posture of, of receptivity to receive grace from the Lord and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that, who already lives in you. He's not far away. Unto being local missionaries that he's gonna lead us into with adventures and things coming up. So Father, you saw every hand, you saw every heart even that, that didn't know if they, they would raise their hand, but you saw their excitement, Lord. You saw their, their longing, Lord, to make disciples, to lead people to you, to love people in front of them, God. God, I pray that you would meet their reach right now, that you'd fill them with courage, that you'd whisper to them, saying, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna be with you. When you go, I'm gonna be with you in a very real way. So even if it's just for that, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Lord, thank you for releasing courage to be local missionaries in Jesus' name. So Rachel's gonna worship one last song, then y'all are totally free to go. And let's just all receive grace right now in worship to kind of seal all this stuff, to give us courage to make disciples in the new year. Let's receive grace for the future adventures that he has for each one of us. He's got him up his sleeve. Can't wait to hear about him.